It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Hello again, this is Brand Handley. I'm founder and managing director of ROI Executive Search, and we do retained executive search across the middle market globally. Today is the next step in our journey into the corner office, and I'm here to welcome Sean Corrin. Sean is a family man, entrepreneur, triathlete, mindset enthusiast, and explorer, and I'm also happy to say he's my friend. We've had a chance to meet and work on a couple of projects together over the last couple of years. And uh, most recently, he was CEO and president of the Chester Paul Company, a company that was founded by his grandfather and currently the vice president division leader of LB of America. Sean Corn, welcome into the corner office. Hey, Brent. Thank you very much. Thank you Good for having, having me. you here. We were just chatting a couple of minutes ago. I know you were up in Canada recently on one of your triathlete uh, explorations. Sounded like a wonderful time. And I want to hear more as we get into your story about when, you know, that kind of athleticism developed and, and hear a little bit more about, you know, the, the races you've competed in and your passion. Uh, for exercise and triathletes, but we always like to kind of start, you know, at the beginning and uh, hear a little bit about your early years. So uh, tell our audience, you know, where you grew up and what your early family life was like. So I was born and raised in Southern California, born in Glendale. Um, shortly, I don't know, fifth, sixth grade, moved out to Ventura County, mm. but um, born and raised by a, uh, a mom who uh divorced my original divorced my father when i was young um but we him and i had a great relationship throughout his life um but how how old were you when your parents got divorced i was two or three i was really young so yeah Yeah. Yeah. i don't i don't remember that too well all i know is i i remember having uh two great families and you know yeah. four four sets of grandparents so to me uh <laughs> i look nice. at divorce as like uh, i ended up with uh you know twice the uh twice the lessons learned Abundance. yeah yeah and and my mom must have had a uh, uh a liking for the distribution model because the my stepfather was also a second generation um uh, business owner in uh, fasteners and electronics and distribution. So I was around entrepreneurial, wow, uh, wow. small business. My most of my uh, adult life. Or now, most did you my, have my young life? Did you have biological siblings? Uh, so I have um, a half 
uh, half sister and, and two half brothers. Half sister so, and two half brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I was I was a one of a kind from my mom and dad. But, yeah. Uh, and did you did you spend most of your time with mom, or did you kind of do the most of my time with my mom? Um, yeah. But uh, it was kind of a you know seventies um, traditional where I was with my dad every weekend. Right. And, right. Um, Got it you know, that type of, uh, setup with, they were, we 45 minutes apart or whatever. So, Got it. Got um, it. yeah. And dad, dad stayed in Glendale and my mom moved to Ventura. Was that yeah, or, pretty much yeah. right. Got it. And what type of work did mom do? Uh, mom was a, uh, a stay at home mom for a long time and right. went back to college, um, when, and actually graduated college when I was graduating high school and then had a degree in, in business and became a controller for my huh, stepfather's cool. company. Ah, so right. Got it. Got she, it. Uh, she had a late career, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, she was again around small business her whole life. So, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. And, and tell us about dad's business and, and granddad's business. As we so, yeah, in the I, intro, you're, you're a third generation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I spent most of my time around Chester Paul Company, which right. was founded in 1948 by my wow. grandfather, Chester Paul Coring. And um, that was, um, it's all started with a handshake on one product line, a hydraulic coupler. And um, in, in the late 40s in mm. Southern California, in Glendale, Post-war, um, post-war years. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah, yeah, right. And, um, you know, just a, um, a small, regional, um, very territorial back in those days, grew the grew the product offering to about half a dozen product offerings um, and or manufacturer's offerings and um, was very territorial based, a very traditional um, industrial type distribution company in the 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, and, and the uh, handshake, the handshake was for distribution of that. The handshake was for distribution in the old, the, the handshake and napkin uh, concept <laughs> was, uh, was done at the old uh, Roosevelt, uh, Rose, Roseville or yeah, Roseville Hotel in, uh, in downtown LA. Downtown LA. Yeah. Very famously right, right on the 101, I think, isn't it? Yes, yeah, sir. So you cut through downtown. That is a classic. Wow. So wow, that's great. And your, and your granddad was a fairly young man. Had he fought in the world war too? He, he did. Um, yeah. and, um, was, was army, but, um, right. you know, a, a, second generation Irish immigrant. Um, wow. so but um, and he worked uh, until until he passed pretty much. I think he passed in his mid eighties, um, and he was he was there every day. And, you, <laughs> was, and your dad got involved in that business. Was was that the only career that dad had, or had no? My my dad that? got involved. He was yeah. a um, he he did you know the college and then did um, did a little bit of time um, in the army as well, and then. Um, um, came came back to the business um, similar similar to the way I did um, had a had a short career as a photographer okay. um, and you know I, I I was very similar was a little reluctant to get into family business um, yeah. Yeah. but then just saw the opportunities and and um, kind of learned that um, you know if you're going to be in business um, you know it, they're all very similar and um you know you have 
you have uh, a little bit more alignment with the family business. And, yeah. and yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he joined the family business uh, in the early 60s, I would say. That's dad, um, right? Yeah, dad. And, yeah. Um, um, you know, my grandfather's legacy and his his uh, way of doing business, I would say, is still still with the company today. Um, you know, 70 something years later. So, um, my, my dad brought the business from, um, the hydraulic pneumatic in the seventies. A lot of the soft drink, um, type business was shifting to post mix, you know, right. Fill up your cup of soda with, and uh, a lot of the hydraulic manufacturers were making very similar products, um, as, as pushing hydraulic fluid, but to now push, you know, coca-cola pepsi syrup um so he transitioned into that in the 70s um which which stayed with us all the way through the 90s um which is when i joined got it well getting back a little bit earlier tell us about some of the things that you know kind of inspired you as a kid Uh, you know we referred to your uh, athleticism in the intro i know you've been a triathlete you're fit did that kind of come early for you? Was that something you got involved with? Was that later in life? You that know, was much later in life. When I was yeah. a kid, I was um, more into the snow skiing. Ah. Snowboarding wasn't quite a thing yet. Right, um, right. It was it was just starting. But uh, I was into snow skiing, skateboarding, yeah. um, surfing. Or you a little little surf, far I, from the surf? But I was yeah. no. I was we were we were. 20 minutes, 15 minutes from the beach. Nice. So I spent a lot of time at, I spent a lot of time at the beach. I was a surfer, I guess you could say, but not, uh, not very good at it. I was much better on the concrete on a skateboard. Right. Right. Um, Around the hill. So yeah. back, uh, back in the early eighties when, you know, we were considered a nuisance on a skateboard. <laughs> exactly. I remember those days. Yeah. I probably I fit my personality days. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good student in school, average. I was an average student. Yeah. I was an average student in school. Yeah. You know, it was, um, it was easy. Um, right. when, you know, if I was passionate about it, um, the likes of history or our art, um, things that you enjoyed. Um, I, I excelled, but, um, yeah. no, I was still more of a, uh, you know, I, I was, a I was good at networking in, in, in high school. And I kind of learned that early where I could yeah. hang out with the jocks, hang mm-hmm. out with the, you know, at the time, the quote unquote, you know, you know, whatever the cool kids, cool kids. And, uh, <laughs> but also hang out with the, uh, debate, debate friends. Oh, and, uh, um, cool. I was, I was the, uh, high school photographer for yearbook and for um, the newspaper. So ran the newspaper. Um, so I, I was kind of all over the board cool. in high school. Cool. I didn't really uh, stick to one group, but. Well, uh, I, I think we, I remember talking early when we first met, cause we've, we've done business together in the past. You, I think you went up to Brooke Institute, didn't you? In Santa Barbara I, one point in time. I did actually, I was yeah. at uh, Academy of Art College. Academy in, of Art uh, College. Yeah. The Bay Area. I did, I did do a little bit of time um, in Santa Barbara at Brooks Institute, but um when did you pick up photography as kind of a, you know, a talent? Really young. Um, yeah. Like I said, my dad was a photographer his whole life. So I was given cameras and, um, you know, even as a, as a, as a young kid um, and, uh, you know, would ride, ride the bike around town taking pictures. And then when the uh, one hour photo mats, you know, came out, came out, that right, was kind right. of cool because I didn't need, um, didn't need much. I could, you know, for 10 bucks, you could buy a roll of film and get it, get it processed. But, um, 
So yeah, no, I was started as a as a little, probably I don't know, seven eight. Um, wow, great! Picking up picking up dad's old cameras or you know the Instamatics or the things. That yeah, you, the whole the whole thing. I learned how to use a thirty five millimeter Nikon when I was nice. I don't know ten. Nice. Um, so. Yeah. What about entrepreneurial things? Were you were you doing any of that? Were you selling your photographs at that age, or young, or a little older? Or I didn't sell. I didn't. Sell, I did sell the service. Um, you know, I wasn't probably. I don't know if I was good enough to actually sell the the photos, but I would definitely. Um, I was. I was hired probably at the age of I don't know, twelve, thirteen, um, to anything around you know group photos for school, and I, I was just always. Um, offering it as a service, even though right. I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> You're getting experience. Right? I, I got experience. You threw yourself in there, right? And you know. yeah, once I got into college, I was able to. Uh, I worked full time, not really by design at all, um, because I was the parents were paying for school, but um, I was able to, you know, um, hustle to get assisting jobs and, and learned quickly. Being in a very coming from an, like an entrepreneurial family and, and just having drive to generate income. Um, I was around a lot of art students that necessarily mm. didn't have that, um, you know, as a, as a instinctive <laughs> behavior. So um, I was able to, to thrive and go get all sorts of assisting work and um, cool. ended up yeah. being a studio manager all the way through, through college and after, but. Um, and you got paid for it. I, cool was yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> I was turning in work that looked very commercial and looked like right. it was, uh, you know, but I knew. Very pro. Yeah. I wasn't turning in um, mistakes and I, right. I uh, right. but I had access. It also gave me access to um, studios and, and, um, people and talent, whatever that, uh, whatever I needed. So it was, uh, I definitely had a very different art school experience than probably most. Yeah. So now during those high school years, did, did Chester ball come calling Did dad and granddad, you know, Hey, come work for us in the summer. And was <laughs> I spent a lot of, well? yeah. Oh yeah. I spent a lot yeah. of, um, summers, um, Weekends. at both of my, my father's companies. And, yeah, um, right. you know, even as a little kid, I'd go in and, you know, you're going to work today or you're going, I just need to stop by the office for a few hours. Um, and which means, you know, eight hours you go later, I go in the stock room and <laughs> right. and get some right. stuff organized. Yeah. It's funny. Some, we had a lot of long-term employees. So some of those same folks were, were around when I joined the company full time, yeah. um, actually yeah. as a career. And, um, you know, they all knew me as this little, 12 year old kid that was always screwing around, around. The back, back yeah exactly. oh, i love it i love yeah, it yeah. So. oh you couldn't pull any wool over their eyes i'm sure <laughs> no and i knew i had to i had to work to, to prove myself i was probably sure. starting as with a deficit <laughs> it's not a bad place to start it's not no. a bad place to start yeah you earn it back and um you went to college now did you go right to art school or did you try you know junior college or an undergrad no, degree i first? did i was i spent um two years and i got a, a whatever an associate's, associate's degree right. um where did you business, do that in business um yeah. up in san luis obispo san luis at right. um, um cc up there yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right next to Cal Poly there. Right, right. Nice up there. Great. Quest and then, and then, and then, and then, did you go right into art school after that, or I work did. a little bit and come back and forth? No, I did. I had, um, I guess, convinced uh, 
my more traditional family that um, <laughs> that I could make a career in 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 art and um, and and honestly that's that's what led um, to the career I have today. Still, it's uh, yeah. I learned I learned how to sell projects right. and and right. Um, the work we were doing. We were doing work, and when I say we, it was the uh, the studios I, I managed. Um, we were doing work for for big Fortune 500 companies, every from an Amway to uh, Haynes or or Jockey Free to Lay, um, and um, so the work we we knew what they wanted. So they the, it was it was the project was actually getting awarded the job. It was um, you know the actual process of of doing the shoot was was really kind of mundane at that point, um, and we had done it before. So the um, the the create the creativity came with the the art of the sale, right. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. and that's that's what actually opened my eyes to be to looking around to um, a quote unquote boring distribution business um, <laughs> because I figured hey if I can you know I I I, I had learned that uh, I enjoyed working with people and and um, yeah. selling projects what was the first job you took out of college then after you got your the first job i took out of college i was i was a studio manager for a yeah. um, for a organization russell rutherford they had a uh, we had a studio in chicago up in the bay area cool. and then down when you say California. studio now is that like an agency or it was a, it was studio? a um it was a privately owned um husband and wife um okay. photography team team um, right. And we did fashion, editorial, yeah. Yeah, um, projects for them. people, mm -hmm. people, yeah, corporate ads. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but we we would, you know, I I ended up managing I don't know about a dozen um, studio techs and and you know nice. from lighting to and yeah. running you know castings and how was that? I mean, because that was kind of your first job managing people, right? It was definitely my first job managing yeah. people. You know, yeah. I made all the mistakes. I hired friends. I hired, uh, <laughs> I, I had to learn how to fire friends. That was probably, right. you know. That's a tough one. Yeah, month yeah. month two probably yeah. as a. Easy uh, to hire, tough to fire. Listen, yeah, absolutely. About, about friends. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it, um, it, it, there was a lot of firsts there. I, you know, managing right. people, traveling with with people and, and um you know, even something as simple as an expense report. I had no idea what I was no doing, idea but, yeah. um, yeah. you know, and, and, and the, most of those jobs I got from, you know, just offering to, uh, to work for free for the first, right. first few right. days and right. signing on to some project and, and, um, you know, do you just keep, keep working when nobody's looking and, you know, people notice. Now, <laughs> did you move from kind of the photography, you know, execution part of it to the sales part kind of gradually, or did you just first, you know, just kind of go right into sales and no, it was, it, it was all photography for the first, for the first while, yeah. um, probably yeah. the first year, year and a half. Right. Um, right. and then it became, I guess, apparent that I was good with clients and, yeah. um, and, and the sales was really putting together presentations, right. um, you know, and, and following up. And and, yeah. yeah, we were, mm -hmm. I really wasn't in charge of cold calling or anything along those right. lines. There right. was agents and things like that. But um, how did you feel about that transition? I mean, did somebody come to go, you know, 
you're a really good photographer, Sean, but you're so much better a salesman. I mean, was it that kind of a conversation or did you just kind of gradually move more to the sales side and the photography side of it fell away? T tell us a little bit about that transition. I'm interested. Yeah, it, it was natural. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when, when I was given those little coupon books as a kid to get out there and you'd go door to door <laughs> trying to sell the, I don't know, thousand dollars worth of coupons for $20. Right. It was, you know, your guy opens the door with a USC shirt on and right away you're going to the, Hey, you can get, you know, discounted tickets to USC parking and USC concessions or, you know, it, it was, right. I was, it was really, like I said, I was networking and, and my curiosity with, um, what other people do and what, you know, right. and that was, that just, it became natural to talk to people and, yeah. um, kind of, you know, so I, I didn't even realize I was doing probably, I didn't, I didn't associate what I was doing as sales. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Until, yeah, until it kind of started to become apparent that, um, you know, they're calling and asking for me to, <laughs> to, to, to follow up and, and see where we are with the, with the process. So, um, yeah. And, and, um, you know, I think my dad probably made that, um, analogy when he was, I, I was, we were having a conversation one day at one of my brother's basketball games and, um, you know, what am I going to do next? And I'm not quite certain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I had kind of identified sales and marketing as a, as a, as a place that, uh, yeah, I, yeah, a place of interest. And, yeah. and that's when the, Hey, you should come work for Chester Paul. <laughs> so how long, so when did that happen? When did the section start? <laughs> that kind of pulling you that back? was probably in about 96. So you'd um, been, how, how many years had you been kind of the art photography sales marketing world? I was yeah. probably there about six years, six, six years, seven okay. years. Yeah. And what was, um, what kind of happened? Was it that conversation or dad kind of said, Hey, we're growing, you know, could use a guy like you to get out there. Yeah. He, and, <laughs> and at the time he was not, um, actively managing Chester Paul. Oh, so this okay. probably made that, um, that decision a little bit easier, a little easier. Um, yeah. yeah. Not that I didn't. And he stepped aside or had hired a professional. He, no, he had taken a, he had taken a job with another, um, Oh, he had left. Oh, yeah. He had left good. as a full-time, he was still involved sure. in strategic decisions yeah. and, and, and was granddad still involved? Was your grandfather? No, my involved? grandfather had passed at this point. Oh, he had passed. Um, but he had had a long term. So my grandfather had, um, had taken in this, this young high school kid who was, um, Mm. Just about to go to college, um, and this is back oof, maybe early, early, late, early seventies, probably. 70s. Um, and named John Harkins, and John um, mm. showed a lot of potential. And mm. as a high school, you know, kid with kind of no direction, but had a lot of potential. So my grandfather actually paid for his SC education. Wow. Um, wow. And he, he worked for Chester Paul for 40 years, but at this point, he, he just was, recently retired, right? He I mean, did. He, he, re, he retired when you and I were working together on that search. Cause I remember correct, that name. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So wow. Wow. John was managing the company at the time. He had, he, he had started as a stockroom guy, worked his way through wow. college and then became sales and then sales manager. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Fabulous. had become, had become the president, um, when I, when I joined, when you joined. And so I'd known John since I was a little yeah. punk kid running around the warehouse. So uh, <laughs> I came in saying, no, this is just kind of, you know, I don't know if I want to be the, the founders. Um, 
kid and and they didn't i i wasn't you know i i started they were hiring for a ground pounder that's what they call the position so it was uh, <laughs> you gotta explain what that is <laughs> yeah ground so that meant that i and i was selling hydraulic pneumatics which i am nowhere near an engineer so um, right, right. literally this was going out to um either oems of hydraulic pneumatic equipment or large uh, users trying to sell their MRO replacement parts. And, um, right. and, um, you know, so I was out just, you know, six, seven, eight calls a day with the Thomas guide and my customer mm-hmm. list and, um, you know, knocking on doors, trying to, um, fake my way through, <laughs> um, a pretty highly engineered, uh, you know, product, a, yeah. a lot of the peers in that market were, were either engineers or sure. um, had at least worked in, you know, hands-on in that field right, where, right. you know, I'm learning all these different terms and acronyms. And, and um, so, yeah, we, I did that for, I don't know, three or four years yeah. um, to kind of earn some, earn some stripes and, and, um, and did your dad come back to the business then at a later point? No, he, he, he never did, he never did come back full time. He, um, yeah. he was, he was, um, he worked all the way up until his passing as well, but he, uh, yeah. um, no, he had found a, a niche and had been selling. Um, he was, like I said, he was in the beverage industry. So, right. Right. um, a cooler manufacturer that, um, um, displays point of sale coke pepsi red bull whatever right. when you're checking out right. in a grocery store or whatever true manufacturing so he had been selling with them um all over the he had opened up the eastern block of europe for them he wow. had done a lot of different um international sales and still was yeah. uh for them managed the coca-cola account and the walmart that. account yeah. and um he well, the, the ground the ground pounder history is interesting because <laughs> I well I am going to say this only because I know Chester Paul as a water filtration company, right? Yeah. And and you know selling products and so forth. So was there a transition that happened? So yeah, when when I joined, um, we were a pneumatic hydraulic and yeah. a um, beverage, what we called a beverage company, distribution company. So we sold all the. Uh, installation parts from pumps to cold plates to all the fittings and tubing for to hook up a dispense equipment, let's say a McDonald's or Carl's Jr. Pizza Hut. Um, And then what's it called? Post post, um, post mix. Post mix. They're mixing the carbonated water with the sugar, the syrup water. And, um, and um, we were selling that business. And in the meantime, we had bought another little beverage, um, distributor just prior to selling to Manitowoc um, Manitowoc uh, out of Manitowoc Wisconsin was building a building out a big beverage division and um, but we had bought this little local kind of just nuisance competitor of ours in the local Southern California market and they had one piece they had a, fit, a small fitting line um, that went into mostly water treatment but at the time it was just this tiny little piece um, and every other, everything else they did was exactly, we knew who, where it went. It was the exact same product mix we sold. So, you know, 98% of the acquisition was just plug and play for us. Um, right. But there was this small piece, this small fitting line. Um, and since we were in due diligence to, to sell this beverage division, um, 
I took a look at the the water treatment side yeah. of, uh, of huh. this fitting line, and it was it was very similar to the to the beverage that we were right. that we were right. pairing off. Um, you know, it was similar margins, similar turns on inventory, right. same um, customers, uh, different customers, different customers, different, but. Um, and um so over the next this is in 97 the next two two years or so we we met and put together um a pretty diverse portfolio of of water treatment products um and at the time there was only a few um companies similar to ours that were you know going to be like a single source type supplier in distribution um for water treatment um, at the time it was still serviced primarily from small assemblers, OEMs that would also kind of try to act as a distributor. Um, so we, you know, went out and met with all the, the key manufacturers and we built out a line of, of water treatment products. And then, yeah. you know, that, um, kind of took off and that, this was back in the late nineties then. That was back in the late nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Um, and then yeah. when did you take over as president CEO? Cause obviously John had stayed on, but then did he, John stayed on point? and we, we kind of co-managed, yeah. um, probably starting around 2006 or so. Um, right. and then did that for, I don't know, about, uh, seven, eight years. Um, and did you kind of, I mean, you, there were some other, you had some half siblings there, right? And dad had some ownership and so forth. So my dad had a hundred percent ownership. My siblings weren't ever involved. Um, they were not it, even it the, was, even the half siblings. Okay. They had no, uh, they're, um, software engineers and, and it, um, law, you know, lawyers and they're, they're in a pretty fancy type business. <laughs> so, but, uh, so when dad passed, did the business pass to you then? Is that kind of how the transition? It did. We had, like we had, um, we had arranged for that. Um, yeah. you know, we, Kind of, um, he passed suddenly, so we hadn't totally arranged for that. But we had, yeah. we had, you know, in in theory, had had agreed, um, and it was a natural transition. Yeah, at the time. and that was in the '90s, sometime I believe, right? No, no, he just passed in uh, 2017. Oh, okay, Got so, it. but at the that time, I had been running the business for for seven years, Remember, and I, he and still I was, was not involved. Yeah, right. yeah, no, it was um, at that point. It was he was still active in in his own. Um, in that true manufacturing business, but I was, um, I was running the business like it was mine. Um, yeah. it was, you know, really his involvement at that point was primarily signing bank documents right. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, sitting down every six months or every quarter going over. And finances. John became more of the senior statesman kind of, right? I mean, he, he did, he did. Guy. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. you know, was a solid was was a solid mentor to me and sounding block um but uh at that at that point the you know the i was providing the vision and the the strategy and just kind of verifying with with john and um so yeah now when we met you were kind of at a transition point and I recall the conversation very clearly because this happens a lot with entrepreneurs that we have. You know, I really love sales and marketing. I'm paraphrasing now. 
I don't like all the other stuff that goes along with it or, or a lot of the stuff, not all of it, because you're a great operations guy too. You'd actually hired another out, like, outside consultant to kind of help with operation productivity. And, you know, you decided to take the step and hire a general manager. So tell us a little bit about the thinking of that. You know, was that kind of a, gosh, I'm at a point where, God, the business is doing well. I, I really, you know, I'm not ready to sell it yet, but I, you know, kind of want to focus more on the stuff I need to do. You know, what, what was going on in your mind at the time when you decided to bring in that general manager? So I knew I was never, I, I was never a, I, I didn't have passion for operations. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I was, was comfortable around a P&L statement and mm-hmm. I knew how to maneuver, um, you know, the finance side of the business and, um, the, you know, the, the setting KPIs and, and driving efficiency and, and just, um, building better, best practice processes. I'm fine on the front end of that, but my strong suit is not on the accountability and the follow-up. And mm-hmm. although I would, I would struggle through it and, and, um, you know, and, and we'd get the job done. Um, it becomes, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's kind of kidding myself, um, you know, probably for a few years where um, thinking that, um, you know, my time's best, best, suited doing this versus really just continuing out building partnerships and, and right. sales and marketing. So yeah, it got to the point where it becomes pretty obvious that, um, or, or, you know, it, or it's less and less comfortable <laughs> as time goes on <laughs> sitting in, sitting in that operations chair. Um, right. and, and to give some credit, I'm involved in, in, Vistage and um, my group and share over there, they would, they, you know, they point that stuff out to you. Yeah. um, You know, you eventually. And and Vistage also pointed you my way. They, they did indeed. (laughs) So I do. So to give them, yeah, yeah, they need to hear that. I I do take and listen to that (laughs) advice. Um, But uh, yeah, the, the, you know, I don't, um, and, and still today, you know, it's, um, it's operations will consume uh, consume a a person if they're not careful if they're if they're if they're better suited in in sales and marketing that's uh it's it's a slippery slope if you it get is. in operations yeah, I, I know it well no and and now big big news uh well not big news it's been about eight or nine months now that you know third generation owner has sold the company and you've stayed on so help us kind of understand how you kind of came to that you know uh transition sure and someone just knock on the door one day and made you an offer you couldn't refuse was this kind of part of the planning that you had in the back of your mind so it wasn't it wasn't that. quite that easy um yeah, no. <laughs> the the i had about a five to seven year runway and this is um right around the time the pandemic was starting in 2000 and um like you said i had hired a um an outside consultant to help me with um process and and growth strategy and we had we had laid out a you know kind of a loose five-year five-year plan Hmm. and fortunately um you know with with um with your help, we had implemented 
the the gen, new general manager, but we had we had some great growth during um, COVID, the COVID years, yeah. let's say, yeah. and um, you know people were at home and and water treatment in general and drinking water, um, the awareness from uh, the generations, the younger generations are much more aware of it. Yeah. It's now in legislation up in Sacramento and in DC. So the, the, the public awareness of drinking water and water quality has, is probably at an all time high. And, sure. and so it's, and it, it's incidents just, in Flint, Michigan haven't, you know, hurt that effort as well. No. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, the, all the, <laughs> the PFOS and different forever chemicals, right. all these, sure. these, these news that, you know, are going to continue to, unfortunately, um, yeah. you know, Very keep, true. keep coming out. But the, the, um, so the momentum was building and continues to, but, uh, you know, so we, we did well through COVID, struggled through all the the supply chain issues yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and we were we were growing, um, you know, at 20 percent clips. And um, it, it got to the point again where, you know, I was still I, I was never completely free of operations. And at this point, I was I was spending a fair amount of time just on the finance side of mm. um, managing the business because. You know, with with supply chain stringing you out and and um, and growth, compound growth, um, the finance side became more important. So I'm kind of back in back into the uh, the four walls of the business every day. And um, you know, at, at that point, it was it was really a kind of a a decision where you know we and I'm not opposed to using banks and we've use them on and off when we, when we need to, but, um, it was either really invest and invest heavy to push, you know, through and out, out of the, the supply chain and to continue to grow. Um, and at the time we were looking at opening, um, a second and third right. physical location to be able to, to, to support that growth. support yeah to support uh growth across north america we we ship product worldwide but we're based in southern california so the west texas west was our kind of stronghold mm-hmm. so um we were spending a fair amount of time and 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 doing our due diligence on looking at the midwest and whatnot and um yeah i was i was approached um a few times throughout this process mm-hmm. and at the time didn't really um what wasn't real interested you know it was um business as well you know, doing well and right. you know what else am i gonna do um yeah, right. you know i'm i'm uh i know i'm i'm dangerous where i will you know if, if you leave me home alone i'll i'll figure out something new and be starting you know i wasn't interested in necessarily just starting starting something brand new again um so you know what what am i going to do i can't swim bike and run all day um yeah, yeah. so um yeah i was approached by a company that mm-hmm. um an italian-based company and um they had operations here in the u.s for the last 15 20 years but they're in kind of shoulder markets more like appliance parts and mm-hmm. um big water storage tanks and things. So um, when they approached, their proposal was to um, acquire Chester Paul 
and you know i had you know looking looking from afar i'm 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 a lot of opportunity because they already have operations across the u.s and sales right. team and and their goal was to have um not just have me integrate the business and then hand it off but really to have me um manage the division and they were keen on keeping the chester paul name and brand and likeness you know um going forward and it's still true you know almost a year later so um you know the the so far so good so far so good yeah (laughs) you know the um it's always interesting when you're trying to blend two cultures but um the um you know the uh i'm still i'm still doing uh you know what i was you know uh, a few years ago so i just have more more resources at my disposal and um you know it's um there's probably a whole uh (laughs) <laughs> probably a whole um you know college um class or, or or series of classes that could be given on how do you transition from business owner to employee uh, yeah i'm you know i'm thinking about a podcast just on that right. <laughs> i think we, I, we could be our lead on that i, I think it's a uh, you know and i had i had talked to a handful of people that had that had sold off companies and you know but a lot of them were just staying on for transition um right Right. And, you know, I still, you know, have to uh, remind myself that it's not mine, but, um, yeah. and I, I, I don't think I'll ever, um, that, that it doesn't matter where I work, where I'm, where I'm working or what I'm doing. It's um, the accountability, you know, holding myself accountable. That, that piece yeah. is, uh, <laughs> I could probably keep a, a therapist employed for the rest of his life trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, that's an important point. Well, Sean, we're, we're just about out of time, but we always ask our CEO, founder, guests. One last question. That's kind of what career and life advice would you give someone? Maybe who comes from a corner office or it comes from a family business and, you know, is maybe a little earlier in his career or her career than you are. Uh, or maybe as an entrepreneur like you, you know, what, 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 would you, what would you say to them about, you know, looking forward and, you know, some of the keys to your success? So the looking back, the keys to my success is when I've been patient. Um, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's staying disciplined, but staying patient. And, um, you know, I think uh, <laughs> all of the... Um, most entrepreneurs I know have that tiny bit of, uh, at least I do have that, that bit of, uh, insecurity. So we always have the monster chasing, you know, right. chasing. Right. So, uh, <laughs> as long as you're staying disciplined with your patience too, you know, um, things work out, right. It's, uh, you're hanging around long enough doing the same thing and, and, uh, and, um, staying true to your word, your, yeah. Yeah. You really can't go wrong. Love it. Love it. Well, Sean Korn, most recently CEO and president of the Chester Paul Company. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Much appreciated. Great time, Britt. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.